This is Year of Raging Winds, an actual play RPG podcast about a makeshift crew seeking adventure and profit on the high seas. I'm Caleb, your host and game master, and you're about to listen to episode four of the show. The world of Saragon is full of strange and exotic creatures, including terrifying beasts typically called dragons by the denizens of the planet. Although these creatures are not really proper dragons, the name has stuck, and legends pervade, especially in the southern and eastern portions of the continent, of these mighty creatures. In reality, as you may have guessed, these creatures are what moderns would consider dinosaurs. While certainly not plentiful, there are still several places in Saragon where dinosaurs and other animals popularly considered prehistoric still roam. New Umhadi is one of these places, and the deeper one goes into the thick and mysterious jungle of the peninsula, the more likely one is to run across a Velociraptor, a Stegosaurus, or even the mighty Tyrannosaurus Rex. Pteranodons of various sorts are common along the coast of New Umhadi. Many of these creatures are the focal point of exotic animal smuggling. A quick note on the cast before we get started. Only Adam was unable to make it to the session, so we have Connor, Jared, Josh and Trevor all playing their characters in today's game. Obviously, since Podino was marooned on an island in the last episode, Connor will be playing a new character, who we will be introduced to shortly. So, without further ado, let's hear our characters' beliefs, instincts, and traits in the Year of Raging Winds. We are live with Year of Raging Winds. We're back. We're going to go ahead and get started here. Since Connor's character got marooned on a desert island last time, uh, he has since made a new one. I'm um, going to have a, a little bit of a, a situation planned for what's going to happen today. So it should be interesting to see how that plays out. So let's just go ahead and get started by doing beliefs and instincts and reading those off to see what you guys could get fate for. Jared, would you like to start us off here? Yeah. If I don't handle it personally, it won't get done. Therefore, I will stop everyone else from ruining this venture. Even though my wife is crazy, I still love her. I will prevent her from getting herself into too much trouble. Since everyone is lower than me, it's my responsibility to take care of the lesser. I'll build up my investment. Oh, yeah. I'll build up my investment in Cadmel. Yeah, you, you changed it. Yeah. Rulership is my natural and ordained task. Therefore, I'll make sure everything goes to plan. Instincts always solve my problems with money. Always take the leadership position. I am always superior to those around me. And traits, your lordship, blonde hair, determined, mercantile, market privilege, and noblesse oblige. Sweet. Josh, take it away. Tell us about our favorite uh, cook named John Toast. Beliefs. I want to make the best of my new situation, so I'll try to make friends with the crew. I've been unhappy, and I don't want others to feel that way. Therefore, I will cheer up others with my wonderful stories. 
My brother got me this job as a cook, sold to the boss, slammed the book I can be. Instincts, always look for the best for the situation. Always have a good story. If there's drinking to be done, I'll be part of it. Character traits, drunk, like a connoisseur, mercantile, like blonde hair, determined, crippled, unlucky, sea legs, and charismatic. Joel, Cadmail, who you be? Uh, I be a person. No, you're not a person. You're a dragon blood. They aren't people. Oh, true. (laughs) Leafs. I will make sure the venture succeeds. It will start by bringing us to the Smuggler's Cove. I want to build a positive reputation. We'll start by gaining the respect of my crew. I want to help these royals, but it can't interfere with the mission. I will ensure a safe remaining voyage for the princess. Instincts always assume that people think the worst of me. Always trust the numbers and never let people know about my literacy. And I'm paranoid and quiet and have sea legs. And everybody, because you're Dragonblood, thinks you're exotic, honorable, and primitive. None of which are true. (laughs) 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 Uh, Connor, go ahead and read off your beliefs and instincts and stuff for us. The ones that you have, at least. So Connor is no longer playing Podino. In a large scheme of things, Podimo was rather unimportant in the world. (laughs) It's kind of like the majority of the characters in Home of the Brotherhood. Oh, shots fired. (laughs) I'm going home. (laughs) <laughs> my name is Winter and I am Xerix I know that this demon is all I have and I'll find a way for me to coexist with it no matter the cost I will start by proving myself worthy of control of my life I want to find someone else to share my life with someone that truly understands who I am and respects me for who I am apparently this is going to be a love quadrangle now <laughs> except instincts, that's the swear oh, instincts never make Uris angry always blame Uris even if I was the one in fault nice. always inventing something uh, <laughs> he has the same instinct as his father. Uh, what are I'm your brave. what are your traits? I'm yeah. brave. Palsy. Palsy. Yep. You have palsy. Palsy. I don't even know what that word means. Which means you shake involuntarily. Oh, right. Um. So brave, palsy, lame, charismatic, Wolverine, and forked tongue. Charismatic is a call on trait for persuasion. Wolverine is a call on trait for health for uh, recovering against for wounds and illnesses. And Forked Tongue is a call-on for falsehood. Uh, real quick, I will give uh, Eurus's, um, who is the demon that is possessing Winter, his traits that I know he has. He has Poisonous Ambition, Humble Before My Master, Sonorous Voice, um, which is a call-on for Seduction, Persuasion, and Suasion, and Forked Tongue, which is a call-on for falsehood. So, uh, yeah. So, cool. Uh, we got some new characters. But yeah, we left Podino on a marooned island. We marooned Podino on an island. <laughs> the island is not marooned and sailed away. It's been three days. What have you guys been doing in those three days? I have been cooking. Yeah, so how about you go ahead and Jantos and make us a cooking roll just for like the whole of that three days. You shoving the blame on Podino and then like trying to get back up on your feet and cook well. See how all that goes. Okay, so uh, does anyone want to help <laughs> Jantos with this uh, cooking roll? Does anyone have anything they can help Jogtos with his cooking roll? I don't know that I want help at this point. I mean, I need one okay. challenge test. I need okay. one challenge of difficult to okay. level this up. Yeah, I'm not yeah. going to get cha- sure. I'm not going to get my difficult tests if I take help. That's true. Yep. All right. So you're just going to put on your big boy pants and cook up some grub. I'm going to wing it. Let's just make an ob two. Oh, hey. Nice. All right. Jantos cooks good food and everybody likes it. 
Hurrah. And go ahead and bump that up to a three. Jantos learned something. (laughs) Finally. After the end of that three days, uh, you around the bend of that point and you come close to the waters that Smuggler's Cove is said to be. Cadmail, what are you like doing as you're like kind of preparing for going into the Smuggler's Cove and like, you know, getting the stuff? Like what what is your what are the preparations? Like who's gonna go in? How are you gonna get it out? Like what's the plan? Also like what what is the Smuggler's Cove? Like tell me tell me more about it. Like what do you what do you think it would be and how we'd get in and all that stuff. How is it hidden? What are the islands like around here? What's the, the terrain? I mean, it's tropical. It's jungle, tropical. I mean, think South America, basically. Okay. Let's say it's a, a network of caves hidden in the cliffs. Okay. And there's a, uh, a path through the water, through the cliffs to get there. Okay. So it's like uh, some sort of like cove canyon thing that like goes in. And there's a bunch of little cliffs on the other side and kind of have to navigate yeah. your way. All right. Yeah, it would be pilot role. Pilot. Yeah. So the captain is not the pilot. So there's there's someone else that he trusts to do that. The first mate or whatever is the like the pilot. All right. Let's make a roll. Uh, do you want to help this role? Does anyone want to help this role with any other stuff? I think, uh, I mean, the captain and the... The crew members all kind of pitch in with their stuff. I could help with observation. Okay. Just keeping an eye on things. Yeah. I'll use Falcon Ray. Uh, I mean, yeah, you could legitimately do how, how How are you doing that? Like Having, having it scout and then right. pack out the saw in Morse code. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, that's not how that works. Let's see. Falcon Ray. Uh, spotting or signaling is... Up to so they could signal somehow. Problem is, I don't think he, he's not trained to go find the places that they someone should navigate through. He's trained to either like deliver a message, spot game, those kinds of things. So I don't think actually you would be able to help. You could just be encouraging. That's true. You can make an oratory roll. I don't think that would be a fork, but I think you can make a links test, right, to inspire the crew and maybe get a get a dice. It would be against their will, right? Like, which is three, so the common will factor. So yeah, that does succeed. So you can get, only have one modifier dice to this. So Cadmail's helping with his observation, one for Avion's oratory, one for Captain's seamanship, another one for this, the general crew's seamanship. And then I think I will give actually one more because... Trevor knows, like, Cadmill knows the area and probably has charts. Yeah. So that's just a general, like, advantage. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and make this roll here. It's going to be relatively difficult. And I think the intent here is to get, uh, navigate into the cove safely. And technically, I probably will let it ride getting out as well. Okay. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Not a yeah. single six. Not a single six. Oh, no. Wow. It's like a counter level roll. <laughs> okay, well, um, apparently the ship uh, Wait, gets it stuck. Routine? It was routine because he was rolling nine dice. Um, it, it, doesn't, really? it doesn't count for you, though, um, Cadmail. It's, it's whatever uh, you, you have your observation exponent. It's whatever that would be as if you're rolling against an obstacle four. 
Uh, yeah. So I think I mean the ship gets stuck, right? Like I don't think like they you crash into anything or yeah, you know could be going that fast. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't like yeah. nothing. Nothing like the hole doesn't rip open or anything like that. It's just you. You simply just get the stuck. Loads. We all die. <laughs> you get stuck halfway halfway into the cove, right? Like you get kind of like washed up against like a reef or whatever, and you just can't get out. So I think what we'll actually say, since since uh, like the stakes, you're having yeah again, you have any seamanship skills? Like there's there's not a whole lot you could do in this situation. And so I think what we'll just say, the captain comes up to you, uh, Cadmail. Uh, his name is Leorgios. He says, "Mr. Rosos, it looks like the ship is sort of ground." <laughs> It's going to take us a bit to, to get it to get it out, but I believe we can get it out in no time. And by no time, I mean four hours. How would you like to proceed? I'm having my crew get on it right away. They're, they're digging us out. We should be able to, to pull out of the reef and, and then go into the cove after we get that uh, get all that figured out. But it uh, looks like we're a little off schedule. Whatever you need to do, Captain, to get her out, four hours isn't, isn't that long. In the, the grand scheme of things. Yes, uh, did you want to, like, maybe... Again, I don't know exactly the goods that uh, we're picking up here, but uh, do you maybe want to send a few rowboats in and uh, try to get it, get the goods into the rowboats and, and come back? Uh, do you think that will work? Do we have to go all the way into the cove? Probably not, no, yes. Uh, we should probably send rowboats. When I was here before, we normally sent them uh, a little further on here. Didn't go quite as far with the rowboats, but we could send a party in now. That sounds like a good plan, then. I'll crack the whip, as it may, and to get the crew working faster. Um, I am a little nervous, though. Uh, these cliffs, we're kind of in a bad spot right now. It's pretty easy to be ambushed in this uh, narrow pass here. Do you know if any of the smugglers are still about? You sure it's been abandoned? I mean, I think so, as far as my <laughs> records go. It's very reassuring, Mr. Rosas. <laughs> you, right. you can make a falcon your road <laughs> to go check. Yeah. Well, we have Avion keeping an eye on the sky, so the, uh, we'll have some prior warning. But uh, according to my prior research, no one's used this cove for at least a couple of years. You don't see anyone offhand, Avion. There's no people waiting on the cliffs right now to like ambush you. But uh, I'm just going to let that roll ride for the rest of the whole thing. So you like you'll be alerted if something does happen. So, uh, yeah. So who's going to go in the rowboats? Talia is just going to go wherever Avion goes. So, Avion, are you going to stay on the ship? Uh, I, I vociferously say, of course I have to go or else something will go amiss. Right. I, I do. Uh, I'm assuming you're taking the mercenaries or at least some of them. Cadbill. Yes. Yes. Okay. I think you have, like, ten. How many would you take? How, how big is the ship? I don't know, maybe a crew. Maybe, like, the total number of people on the ship is, like, 35 or something. Because, again, you don't have, like, slaves or, like, passengers or anything. This is just this is a merchant vessel. Like, you're supposed to be carrying a bunch of goods, and so that's what most of the space is going towards. So you, you don't have that many true. people. Okay. So it's 35. Yeah, then about 10, 10 to 12 or so. So, so 10 people that are coming with? So I'm assuming you wouldn't necessarily just take the mercenaries to like lift goods or whatever. You probably have some of the like the sailors. Mm -hmm. So like, how many mercenaries do you think? And like five mercenaries and five sailors. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. All right. So Gen is among those uh, mercenaries that comes with you, and leader of the little band. 
like I don't know the name of, but he's like a snooty looking guy with uh, a goatee, and black hair. He's a Serrano. So you 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 do that. You get all those people together. You go go towards the cove. So no one else is coming. It's just Cadmail, Avion, and those people. And I guess Talia comes too because she said she was going to go with Avion. There'd be no reason for Jantos to go. Yeah, and that's what I figured. Yeah, not physically able to go. Yeah, I mean it's true. Uh, yeah, so you so you go ahead and go into the cove. Cadmail, go ahead and make a uh, observation test as you're going here. Ob three. Ob three. All right. All right, so you don't notice anything. Yeah, so you reach the cove. Um, nothing seems amiss, and you just start. You enter the cove. Uh, who, who's who's entering? Like you, you have the mercenaries enter. Like how how on edge are you in this situation? Like, I mean, I'm paranoid by nature. That's true. So that's be. very true. <laughs> uh, Avion, how paranoid are you? I'm just bravely walking forward. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's Elias. Yeah, it's Elias. <laughs> um, so I mean, yeah, like Avion and Cadmail and uh, Talia and Gen and all the rest. You're, you're walking in. Avion's kind of like yeah, towards the front. Talia's nervously by his side, and yeah, Gen and the other mercenaries are like by you, Cadmail, like protecting you and the sailors just in case. Uh, they have their swords out. You're walking in. Uh, you see. Um, I'm, I'm really thinking this a lot like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean in the first movie, uh, like that, that's those caves that uh, all the treasure was hidden in, like the cursed treasure or whatever. So think, mm-hmm. yeah, think like, like yeah, the like the pocketed caves and some of it's like a little underwater, but there's like maybe like a rope bridge or two that like goes across some of these like pools. And yeah, you see like uh, the the remnants of a smuggling operation. You see a lot of like abandoned crates and barrels. Uh, you see uh, little like, you know, some living quarters and some like dead campfires bedrolls that were like left there real quick connor are there bodies are there bodies yes. around okay um and then one yeah once you get further in yeah you start to notice that there are dead people dead smugglers um I see dead people. yeah the smugglers who were running this operation abandoned it or as it now appears all died fun actually connor go ahead uh go ahead and describe for us what what the dead bodies look like like what where are they like how many are there what's the condition of the bodies wait is it like recent or are they they're all killed like efficiently it's not it's not bloody it's it's as if so like their necks are snapped or like stuff like that yeah okay it's been a little while because I mean Cadbell had to have gotten wind of this right like and then yeah. been able to put all this together so it's been like maybe a month the remnants of these bodies are um, like, I think, yeah, like, like the bones are broken and all that stuff, but like mostly decomposed at this point. They're all in chairs and like, oh, okay. Bags. So you mm-hmm. just, you just let them rot in, in the places that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, make a health test <laughs> for winter, having stayed here for that long with the rotting corpses. The ob is three. What can I do with corruption? Uh, corruption. You can spend a fate point. You can, uh, uh, they may then help any stat or skill test. Um, so one dice or no, two dice for you because you have X point five. And I have any fate points, so do I? Everybody starts with three. Okay, so with the with the power of your corruption, manage to not be sick while he's in here with rotting corpses. This guy is really creepy already. Very impressive feat. But you say so myself. So, uh, 
Where do you think winter would be in this cove? Nowhere. It's the tropics. That's not going to say about I am cooking fish on fire. Okay. <laughs> it's Gollum, except he cooks his fish. So you see, like, you, yeah, you, like, turn a corner and you see this guy just, like, roasting fish. So, again, the bodies are, like, decomposed. Um, it looks like they've been there for a while. So it's not, like, a grisly murder scene, rather. It's just, like, oh, these people have been dead for a while. Uh, Winter, what do you look like? Like Cantarius. Like Cantarius. So a younger version of Cantarius. Mixed genes of a female that is yet to be just... <laughs> right. Um, so a younger version of old and creepy. Got it. So that's what you see. You see that guy. Uh, what are you wearing? Average emergent-esque clothes. How long have you been living here? Would they be all torn up and gross? Or? No, they're okay. They're not pristine, but they're, they're okay. So he's he's trying to kept, keep to take care of it. Um, yeah, see that guy uh, cooking a fish. All right. <laughs> Avion, oh. do you want to like just introduce yourself boldly? I was like, hello there, sir. Do I recognize him at all? No. I look wide-eyed and I say, Oh my goodness, you have no idea how long I've been waiting here for somebody to come and save me. And I run over and I'm... I've got a bridge to sell in my hand And I say, uh, want some? Um, n- n- no thanks. No, please, take it. Uh, and, and offering, yeah, and I think, I think Talia, Talia, like, steps in front of you, Winter, and, and she just, like, kind of puts a hand out, like, hey, whoa, stay back. <laughs> I shrug, and then, uh, take a step back. I guess I would nervously introduce myself and then ask, uh, I'd probably ask who, if, who you work. Wait, like, what, 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 why are you here? What, <laughs> what, <laughs> how come you're, you're the only one here then? They all died. What, what happened? <laughs> what happened to all these people? <laughs> I was exploring, looking for some ancient artifact that was said to be on this island. I thought it would, uh, uh, I could maybe make it into some sort of, some sort of item. Uh, I'm a, I'm a mender, you see. Uh, I make uh, um, a tinkerer would have been a better. Yeah, I'm a tinkerer. And I heard of this, this amazing artifact and I thought I could perhaps, you know, tinker with it and make it into something <laughs> even better. But uh, when I came back and they were all dead. Just like this. I didn't move any of the bodies. I was too afraid to touch anything. So I don't know what to touch them. I mean, right away, right away, Winter, roll a falsehood. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, does Winter roll the falsehood? Winter can roll the falsehood unless you want Eurus to take control. Yeah, okay. I'm going to fork in ambition-wise. Okay. So Eurus is rolling this? Yes. And soothing platitude. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's against Will. So anyone who has a will of four or lower, because he, he also has a, a call and trait for falsehood, so even if it's a tie, then you basically just believe his lie. So uh, again, like I can't control your character's like legitimate beliefs, but the lie is convincing. Like you have no reason to just be suspicious of this person or his story. Everybody, everybody seems to kind of like relax. I say, can you please take me off this place? I swear there are ghosts here. Something here haunting me. Nah, mm. That's definitely not a lie. <laughs> it's probably just because I, you know, have been here for a month alone. Cadmel would be super suspicious, uh-huh. but <laughs> Avion, do you accept this person offhand? Yeah, and I eat some fish. Good, good. You die. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so he <laughs> believes him. He's still wary and would probably still argue against. Uh, okay, we can we can 
take you and drop you off right nearby or something right but watch him closely do you say that probably yeah okay yeah like first i'm gonna ask her like uh where, where, where were you from where where did you were you a smuggler here did you work with anyone what's the name of the group that i worked for i guess i'd ask if you work with oh me. the smuggler and i do smuggling circle they're the raptors that's what they are they call the themselves raptors. the raptors yeah okay yeah and i think there's like you know like a velociraptor like claw like kind of etched in bad form on the pay wall so okay. winter you said yeah, you worked okay. for them so how does that line up ah. for your story like what you worked for them before this happened like what you said that you came here to find an artifact of some sort and then and you oh and the smugglers were here and you were working with them and then you left one day and then came back and they were dead okay cool yes uh well I suppose we can't just leave you here. <laughs> I can just see like uh, the the extreme <laughs> disappointment on Cadville's face. We can offer you passage to the to the next port if if you would like. So oh, thank you so very much. Now be on guard when you're here. Very eerie things from these caves. And then I can I mean, at that moment you all hear the dead bodies everywhere. <laughs> kind of. I mean, yeah. Do you say that? Do you say that, Catmail? <laughs> yeah, perfectly. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, at that moment, like, once you say that, uh, you hear, like, some undiscernible sound that you can't really place your finger on, but it's just echoing through the cave. And Catmail, you, rem- you remember that, like, the caves just echo weirdly a lot, uh, and you're, you're usually, you would be used to it, but, like, for some reason, just because of the way Winter said that, like, you know, oh, there's been weird things happening. It just like sends it like a shiver down your spine a little bit, like in a way that it, it wouldn't normally, because you should be used to that sound. But mm-hmm. okay, so you just like gather up the goods and stuff, and yep, and head back. Go work there. Okay, I think uh, while you're while you guys are working and like you know getting this stuff, you Cadmail, um, you start hearing like in one of the really far caves as you're like just continued like to explore the different the cave complex and find all the goods that were left there. You start hearing this screeching. It is a velociraptor, actually. And it remember it, you come to your mind that, oh, right, like you you dealt in some illegal animal smuggling. And yeah, there's a, there's one or more velociraptors in some cage back here, probably. Oh, and they're still alive. Have Sounds you been like feeding it. them winter. You're just eating the bodies, probably. No, they're in cages. Hmm. I was assuming that you were feeding them winter. Or at least Eurus was. Oh, okay. Well, because I mean, you had dead bodies. <laughs> <laughs> you just throw them in there. Yeah, I, I say that. I say I legitimately just fed them the dead bodies. <laughs> <laughs> they were dead, and and if lost raptors were alive, and they spent so much time and effort, you know, getting these things, I, I figured just what they would want to do. They always said that they would lose these things over their own dead bodies. So. <laughs> I think Gen laughs when you say that. <laughs> he laughs. He's like, I like you. And then he's like, what was your name? I don't think we ever called that. I never said it, sir. Winter's the name. I'm like 19, by the way. Huh. Yeah, so, so Gen comes up to you and kind of like offers his hand. And he's like, nice to meet you, Winter. Ditto. Cool. All right. Um, what, what are you going to do with so the whole... What are you guys doing here? Oh, right. Okay. Um... I mean, yeah, again, looks to you to answer that, Cadmail. 
Um, well, I used to be a smuggler, worked in this cove for a couple years, and uh, noticed that nobody was using the place anymore, but they had uh, left all this stuff behind. So we came back to get it. Well, take it. I have no use for any of it. I mean, I wouldn't think so, being stranded on an island. But uh, What are you going to do with the velociraptors? Like, are you going to try to take them with? Heck yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It would probably fetch a really high price in Lucerta because there's yeah. like a gladiator like arena there. They would absolutely love to have some velociraptors. There's there's two velociraptors. They'd actually I mean, love to have some first. velociraptors in the arena. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So Avion, how are you like responding to everything that's happening? Like, what what is Avion doing? Probably inspecting like all the merchandise and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Just going over everything, taking mental stock. And I'm totally on board for the Velociraptor. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Talia definitely isn't, but she defers to both of your judgments. And Gen also kind of like makes a joke about like, I, you know, like you're on your own if that thing gets loose. Like kind of joking, like obviously because it's his job. He doesn't want to have to deal with it. So yeah, I mean, unless there's anything more pressing that's going to happen while you're gathering it all up in the rowboats, we just kind of do that. Let's go ahead and just take our first break there, sort of do for one, and then we'll come back and get back to the boat. Stick around, we have more Burning Wheel to come right after this. As you may have guessed, our new character Winter is indeed Cantarius's son. The one whom we've known for some time now is possessed by a demon. We've hinted about the presence of demons on Saragon in the show before, but it's time to reveal a bit more about these dangerous beings and just exactly how they fit into our setting. The legends are true. Demons are spiritual entities that can possess people, animals, and even objects with a powerful bond that ties the host and the parasite closely and empowers both parties beyond their natural capabilities. For example, if a demon binds itself to a person, that person usually gains power in one of the nine disciplines due to the dramatic nature of the change. The demon itself also gains heightened awareness and ability to control its surroundings. Even binding to an object can be a powerful thing, imbuing the item with strange magical properties. There are more secrets here about just what these bonds can accomplish, but we'll save them for later on down the road. 
One last thing to note before we continue on is how we are reflecting this reality in the burning wheel. For Winter, I had Connor make a normal character sheet with his own beliefs, instincts, traits, and skills. But then I made a second character sheet for Eurus, adapting the orc life paths in the standard burning wheel stocks to create a dark, twisted, grima worm tongue type character. I then allowed Connor to have Winter tap into Eurus to use his advanced skills and the attribute hatred to manipulate his surroundings. The more he did so, however, the more control he was giving over to the demon, and the more Eurus's beliefs, instincts, and traits would shine through instead of Winter's. Let's go ahead and get back to the action and see what Winter and Eurus might have in store for us in the year of Raging Winds. So yeah, you guys get up all the goods, you bring them to the ship, and there is no trouble. You get them on the rowboat, and you get them to the ship without any difficulties, you navigate successfully, and uh, it's about the time you basically get all of the stuff loaded that they dig out the sandbar that they had got stuck on, and so you you manage to like turn around and, and come back. Do you want to make an appraisal or or something similar to that Cadmail to kind of like just assess how how much worth yeah. all this stuff has? Sure. What's the um probably three because there is a quite a bit of stuff so you can fork and stuff if you'd like and someone can help if they if you'd like as well. I mean, considering oh. that I like worked with these people, I'm sure I I know, but I'm not sure what that would mean role wise. You can just offer an advantage dice, just okay. a plain advantage dice for you being there. And having that information. Yep. You can definitely give that to Catamel. I have haggling if you want. Haggling is the persuasion of getting someone to buy something from you at a price that you want. I think that in and of itself, wises is really what that is, if you know about something. Haggling is the act of haggling. Maybe you selling it. Yeah, like We're you're, just you're to- good at selling stuff when you know what the price is, like what it's worth, but the actual like figuring out of the value of something is a little bit more misty to you. Okay. Can I fork merchant-wise as far as I'd know what mm-hmm. people would pay for it? Absolutely. Can I also use forgery to sniff out fake things? Yeah, absolutely. Checking over all the yeah. things. Yeah. And, and... Yeah, that's good. Hey. You got four dice worth of funds, including the Velociraptors. And basically, the way that works is they're like cash dice, which means like you can use them to you know increase your resources tests, but they don't mm. go away. You can continue to use them for your resources. Mm. All right. And they only go away if you fail a resources test and then you get taxed. Like those go away first. You're like, oh, I sell off some of this stuff to help me survive my like failed investment or whatever. Would that increase resources? It doesn't increase resources offhand, 
Um, what it does is it gives you, you can use those dice for any resource tests you make, and it helps. When we get to the place, you would actually, you'll, you'd make like a haggling roll to like, you know, sell the stuff and maybe you would get an extra couple of dice of cash or something like that, like for extra money that you get from what's what it's worth. But what it would really come down to is, all right, now I have these funds, um, these base funds. Now I need to buy stuff with them, right? Like, or when you make a resource test to keep up your lifestyle at the end of every month or any at the end of every cycle, then you, you test your resources with those dice and it improves like a skill. If you succeed, basically resources is an abstract way of like telling how good you are with your money, like how, how, yeah, how much property you own, what favors you have, stuff like that. All right. So this is going on. I'm going to schmooze Avion's character. Okay. So what are you guys doing here? Well, my little uh, drag friend over there is uh, leading <laughs> an expedition. And I came along to make sure everything, uh, make sure my investments went as planned. Where are you going? The the city that we're going to. Mm. Lucerta. Lucerta. And Winter, you were born in Lucerta, so... Oh, well, I guess I'd say that. Wow, that, that is my hometown. Oh, is that where you uh, want to be dropped off at? Because that would be uh, extremely convenient. <laughs> <laughs> no, ser- seriously. I, I legitimately was born there. Yeah. That's exactly where I need to go. Oh, well, wonderful. <laughs> I'm just smashing. So uh, you continue on. You now have your goods in tow, and I think when you're when you're coming out of the cove, it's kind of tense because like you don't want to like get stuck again, and so the pilot's going really really slow, and you don't really get out of the cove until it's basically dark again, and so the the captain elects just to kind of like go a couple miles down the shore and then just anchor for the night. I think the night passes really tensely. I think there's a lot of noises that happen. I mean, one, there's Velociraptors on board, right? So, like, <laughs> they're, they're kind of, like, making noises, and the, the crew's kind of nervous about them being on the ship. John, tell us, why, why don't you go ahead and make a cookie roll for, like, the evening? See how well that goes through your dice. All right. And, okay, so we've all they've gotten back to the ship with stuff, so we're all yep. pretty excited. Yep. I'm hoping I'm going to work in my fire building, my knives, and... Um, I'm not going to fork in mystery meat wise this time simply because I'm not sure I want to put mystery meat in the celebratory dinner, but I'm trying to make something nice that people will, you know, it's sort of a celebration. Okay. Let's make that ob three. All right. So it's going to be a little bit more difficult. We'll see if John Toast can handle it. If you get zero successes oh, on this, I will, I will just die. All right. I'm rolling a fate. Because... You got a six? Awesome. Cool. Yes. No. <gasps> Oh no! Oh, really? Well, well, like, what I think is Still probably happening is that Jontos gets ahead of himself, right? Like he's like, "Ah, oh, I know how to do this. Things have been going well. Like, let's just make the real, a really fancy thing. Like, this is going to be great." Like, I he have starts all these- to actually believe that the problem was Podino. Podino. <laughs> he said why so many times. He starts to believe himself. Oh, okay. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So. I think I go for something overly fancy. And just it's very clear that I I tried to really, uh, yeah. it, it's very clear that I tried to do something far beyond my ability. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. So I think what happens is like the celebration is very mild. <laughs> the celebration gets very dampened by the bad the bad meal, and so everybody's happy about the the funds and you know the the goods that they just gotten. How they're gonna make a killing off of it, but they start you know digging into the food. 
And they're immediately disappointed, and then they just kind of like set it aside. Avion, mm. Winter, and Cadmail, how do you re- react to the bad meal? I just happily scarf it down. <laughs> I'm still with Avion, so I just kind of ignore it. You just do what Avion does? Yeah. Uh, Cadmail, how do, you, how do you respond to the bad meal? Your cook hasn't had a good track record so far. He'd probably still be a little disappointed, but uh, I mean, he's not expecting much from a from a shipped cook, right? Anyway, we'll probably still try and tough through it. I lean over to Avion and I say, "Is his food always this bad? It's either a hit or a miss." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Again, I don't think anyone like comes up to you, John Toast, and like tries to like beat you up or whatever but like there's some dark looks being shared because you earned yourself some grace with that three days of like good cooking but uh now everybody's like wait a second really like come on thought we were past this This again yeah the day or the evening passes and then it is morning again you guys kind of head off you get a few miles down the coast before observation test time ob three you're on the sea just going along the coast, and there's something that, if you spot it in time, you can deal with. Yeah, so uh, Cadmail spots a ship on the horizon. It's actually coming from behind you. It's gaining on you somehow. It looks like a smaller ship, so it looks like it's a pretty, like, you know, a fast-running ship. You're in a heavy merchant ship. It's laden with goods. You're not going super fast. But this ship seems to be gaining on mm-hmm. you in the distance. And as it gets closer, like you're, you're watching the whole time because you have you know, the observation, you, you succeeded on the observation and stuff. You notice about, like as soon as it gets into focus enough for you to like see like what it looks like, make a merchant-wise check for me. Ob one. Merchant-wise? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So mark the routine test. You notice that the, the ship doesn't have a flag for one which is not something that's normal. Um, usually you want to have a flag of nationality, especially in these waters, because there's a lot of tension right now between some nations. You also see, and, and I'm not sure exactly what this be. Um, if you can think of something, then feel free to, to jump in. But there's some sort of like signifying mark or way that the ship is behaving or the sh- people on the ship that you can see that gives them away as pirates. Oh dear. I'm not sure exactly what that, mark or or behavior would be but but you see something that your time as a merchant you know oh those are pirates this is bad hmm. well okay i don't know maybe it's yeah some kind of insignia from oh right from your time as a smuggler so mm-hmm. so let's say it's like a uh a more or less like unnoticeable to anyone else like little mark on the side of the ship but because you're a smuggler you've seen i mean most of the ships that came into your into the cove bore that mark so yeah what do you guys do there are pirates <laughs> and it looks like they'll be on you in like 10 minutes if the the wind keeps up like it is all right well i alert everyone and the uh probably get into defensive positions yeah some of the mercenaries so, pull out bows do we have any cannons gunpowder hasn't been invented yet but uh, you do have uh, no, bl- you have ballistic at the very least. I think you have, like, probably one on each side that you could, you could put into place. Okay, yeah. I'm thinking that what we'll do here is maybe do, like, a series of linked tests to see, like, 
how well either you get away from the pirates or like are prepared to deal with them when they come kind of a thing. Anyone can make a test to try to help something. So I'm going to go ahead and make like, I'll help the captain make a test. He's going to go ahead and make a seamanship test with some modifiers for his crew. Um, just to generally like keep the ship going as quickly as possible. So you have more time to prepare. And I think this is going to be against their seamanship role. The captain succeeded. So the captain is a better seaman than the captain of the pirate ship. Good. Anyone else want to make a, make a test? Falconry. Okay. I don't know that I can do much other than observation. Keep an eye on them. Or even to like, yeah, like notice like the way they're maybe where they're going to try to attack from, like what they have on their ship that they can attack with. Uh, yeah, so you're rolling a three for the falconry there. What is your intent, Jerry? To have it attack the sail. Um, attack it, make it with its talons. Okay, I mean, yeah, sure. But, I mean, <laughs> this is the part where it'll get shot with a crossbow, right? So, ah. yeah, the pirates are going to shoot him. Okay, I'm going to uh, observation to see what I can find for weapons and stuff on my ship. Mm-hmm. What's the ob? Make it a five. Because I think, like, it's pretty obvious. Most of the stuff is pretty obvious, but I think there's one or two things that you might be able to get if you're really good. Can I also say to see if I can see any people on the ship, recognize them, where they are? Oh. What do you you mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think you notice anything else. It's all pretty general pirate stuff. You've seen it before. It's just some people that are probably going to make threats ask you to hand over everything, and if you don't, they're just going to attack you. Yeah. They might attack you outright, yeah. depending on that, if they get a good position or not. Alright, so the uh, manages to dodge the crossbow bolts that are fired in its direction, and it, it rips into their sails a little bit, so yeah, you have you have another success like towards your side. I think, I think what we'll do is, we'll just kind of count all the different successes that are kind of like gained here, and then see who has the best, and then I mean, these are linked tests, so it's basically, like, the conflict that will ensue. You guys will get, like, bonus dice on things because you've noticed things. And especially for the seamanship thing, I think, like, they're going to get there a lot later than they would have because the sails are kind of ripped now. So it's, like, 15, 20 minutes before they, they close altogether. But they do close. And unless anyone else has any last thing they want to do, the pirates are, like, in like range. to try to be helpful. Can I make a seamanship test to try to be helpful? Absolutely, you can. And then for in Seawise... What could this have happened with Bodino on board? Seawise, Knots, and... What is the one I have? Yeah, Seawise and Knots. I'm not sure I got that third fork. And then what's my ob? Uh, let's make it an ob two. Plus something extra because my leg? Uh, I don't think so, no. Uh, does your... You have the trait lame, correct? Or is it crippled? Crippled. Okay. N- nope. Uh, it's it's just a stat thing. So you chose a stat that can't start higher than exponent three, and it's capped at exponent four. I think okay. that was speed for you, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's all it does. You just can't have a higher speed than that. Okay. Cool. All right. Cool. So so yeah, you get back into the groove of the seamanship stuff, right? Like you're mm-hmm. you're trying with really hard with your Gibby leg, and you succeed. Like you you're you're working behind uh, beside the other sailors couple of them look over at you and they're kind of surprised to see you there 
And it's those the same people who gave you the dark looks last night. And they kind of like, oh, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Cook, let's do this. Glad you're chipping in kind of a thing. And yeah, so they close. Um, I think you have a moment in which you could probably call over to them and try to negotiate something or talk to them or do something else to stall them. Um, if anyone wants to do that. I have extortion. <laughs> you want to try to extort the pirates? I mean, I don't think I can use bureaucracy against them. Wait, what are we doing? Are they boarding or what? Uh, there's a moment, like, right before they kind of get into range that you could probably call over to them and try to, like, talk to them. Otherwise, they're just, yeah, they're going to close into range and you're not sure what's going to happen next. They might just attack outright. I'm going to use my accounting to baffle them with my, uh, my math skills. If you, if you attack us now, you will suffer a loss of 3,000 quid. Can oratory be used to frighten people? Yeah. Okay. It's to sway a crowd, right? Like, you could legitimately just oratory the pirates and say, Leave now! Plea for your lives! Yeah. I'll use law-wise to tell them exactly what laws they break. <laughs> I quote the entire scene from Lord of the Rings where King Theoden men. Oh, so you're going to use an oratory on, on your people? You oh, either. at the same time. Okay, so, so your intent is to be so intense and inspiring to your own men that the pirates are, like, intimidated by it? Yeah. Okay. I'm down with that. Make that, uh, just op three, because it's against, yeah, against their will of the crowd, and it's still only three okay. for everybody. The common Connor, do you want to you wanna add something to that? For oratory? You can yeah. help with any skill. Intimidation, no, any falsehood. Skill. Persuasion. How are you helping with persuasion? Because, yeah, usually persuasion is a one-on-one thing. Um, you could probably finagle it to do that, but, like, yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to convince them to be brave. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, what happens is, like, yeah, Avon, you're doing the whole Theoden speech, right? Like, you're like, this is a good day to die kind of a thing. And, like, be, maybe I'm, be all I'm intense. From, I'm from the more logical point of view of, like, no, like, we can do this. What I'm actually thinking, Winter, is that you're going up to specific people and saying this. Yeah, actually, okay. as far as yeah. that goes, can I help with uh, appraisal or accounting as far as, <laughs> like, Counting the advantage between, <laughs> so, well, well, essentially what Connor was saying. No, right? I know what you're saying. Well, yeah, yeah. We, we have we have these weapons, and they have those weapons, and if we put them together, <laughs> um, yeah, let's do it. Let's make an appraisal. We have so much more to lose than they do. <laughs> we have to win, guys. <laughs> so, so this is this is his dice there. So you got another success, uh, Jared. You can mark that as an ob three test for both of you. So. So th- that's really that's a really awesome scene. So yeah, Avion's doing the speech. Winter's like, yeah, going up to specific people and saying, you are good at this. Like, we have the advantage, all this stuff. And yeah, Cadmiel is like, well, if you look at the numbers, I mean, we have to win. I mean, we have very valuable goods. And I mean, if we lose here, then we lose <laughs> not only our lives, but a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what happens is, I think because of all the things that you succeeded on, I think, yeah, they hesitate. Right? Like they, they're getting upside you, and where normally they would just probably like outright attack. I think, yeah, the captain, like whoever's, he, he looks like he's in charge. He, he comes like to the middle of the, of the deck, and he just kind of like, they're making pace with you now, like right behind you, like just enough so you guys can't really fire on each other, and, and just far enough aback that, yeah, like it would be kind of inconvenient to try to fire on each other. But he yells across the distance, um, and he says, Give us all your gold, and we will let you live. Give us all your gold and we'll let you live. <laughs> Do you actually say that, Winter? Yep. He doesn't respond to that. <laughs> oh. Does anyone else say something? 
Well, we're worth much more alive anyway. So, you know, if you want to maximize your profits, you should uh, keep us alive and take us as slaves. <laughs> I think Talia, like, gives you a death glare. I probably muttered that under my breath or something. <laughs> yeah, but I think Talia's next to you and she's like, what are you... <laughs> and I think one of, like, the, the mercenaries is, like, next to you and kind of, like, looks at you, like, distraught, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, we have the best trained men on the seven seas. You have no chance. There's basically only two seas in the entire In world. the two seas. <laughs> I've gone over the numbers. You have a uh, 30% chance of winning, so. What I think I want to do here, I think I want to do a duel of wits. I think there's definitely a chance here that you guys can just, like, persuade the, the pirate to just leave. But I think, yeah, it's going to take a little bit of work. We're about to start a duel of wits. I'll walk the players through the basics of the Duel of Wits mechanics in the actual session itself here in a moment, but I thought we'd take a slight detour to talk briefly about the social combat of the Duel of Wits in more detail. The Duel of Wits is an extended conflict mechanic used to resolve debate and argument in the game and at the table. Characters use verbal attacks and maneuvers to overpower and destroy their opponent's arguments and make themselves appear, to all witnesses, correct. The purpose in such a duel is not to reveal the truth but to put forth your argument in the best light while dismantling your opponent's position, and to convince the audience that you have struck on the truth while your opponent is mired in half-formed thoughts and naive delusions. The Duel of Wits is designed to simulate debate and argument. A speaker convinces an audience of the merits of his point. It is not designed to change a single character's or player's opinion. While this is possible, it is not the goal. Though the Duel of Wits cannot make a character like or believe anything, it can force him to agree to something, even if only for the time being. Rather than fighting with axes and spears, a Duel of Wits is fought with words. Thus, your main battle skills are interrogation, oratory, persuasion, poisonous platitudes, religious diatribe, rhetoric, persuasion. Command, conspicuous, etiquette, extortion, falsehood, intimidation, seduction, soothing platitudes, and ugly truth are used in support roles. To begin a duel of wits, there must be two sides willing to defend their disparate positions. Each side clearly and succinctly states its case. Each side briefly describes their point and what they want. Both sides must then agree to the terms of this debate before continuing. This is essentially a metagame condition. If I win, you'll do X. If you win, I'll do Y. Each player states his terms and agrees to abide by them. Rather than shed blood and break bones, we undermine points and damage egos in the Duel of Wits. The body of argument represents the strength of your position at the start of the debate. Once the cases have been made clear, each side rolls their core body of argument skill. Add any successes from the skill test to the lead character's will exponent. This total is the body of argument for this duel. For intimate or personal arguments, use persuasion for your body of argument role. For big showy debates, use oratory or rhetoric for your body of argument. Use interrogation, poisonous platitudes, and suasion when engaged in their specific areas, harsh questioning, intrigue, and religious matters. If you don't have one of these skills, test unskilled using will. Two successes equals one point of body of argument in this case. In this case, two successes equals one point of body of argument. In a duel of wits, players plan their strategies a few moves in advance. They build a hand of actions in order to outwit and overpower their opponent's feeble arguments. In Burning Wheel, we call our round the exchange. Each player plans three verbal actions for the exchange and writes them down in secret. We call this scripting. Each action and the opponent's opposing reaction 
is contained in a smaller time segment called a volley. Players take one action per volley. Their actions are then played against one another. Once the actions for the exchange are scripted, the GM calls for each volley of actions to be revealed, one at a time. Each action is spoken and resolved before moving on. If one side's body of argument isn't reduced to zero at the conclusion of volley three, start a new exchange. Both sides take a moment to choose three new actions. Once both sides have scripted new actions, play the exchange volley to volley as described above. There are seven actions a speaker can use in the Duel of Wits. Avoid the topic, dismiss, feint, incite, obfuscate, point, and rebuttal. We won't go through them here, though we may come back to them later on in Crow Inquisitors. For now, let's get to the Duel of Wits in the Year of Raging Winds. So the way the Duel of Wits works, first thing we got to do is we got to decide on terms. First, we have the statement of purpose. So each player, believe describes his point and why he is right. State your case in early fashion, blah, 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 blah. You agree to terms. So basically, yeah, your um, points is we have the better stuff and you will lose if you attack us. And the other side is basically the same thing. We have to agree to terms. So this is basically a metagame thing. So it's basically... If you guys win, what do you want the pirates to do? Give us all their gold and leave. <laughs> Not, well, <laughs> no? Essentially just leave us alone, yeah. Leave you alone? Okay. So usually this is against like one main person, and then the, the other people are helping. Who is like the main negotiator in this situation? Avion. Avion? Sure. Okay. The main skills that you use for this is interrogation, oratory, persuasion, business platitudes, or rhetoric. You should have one of those skills. You could use oratory in this occasion, Jared. So we roll for it as a length test? No, basically what this is, is you're going to be doing, it's going to go in, down in volleys. Avion is going to say, all right, I'm going to do this, this, and then this. And then the pirate is going to say, all right, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And then we, all have to be we line them up. Yeah, so basically, like, there's different things that you do, and again, there's a Duel of Wits handout in the handout section, so you can take a look at that, and it's, it's pretty succinct and, and it explains stuff. But I'll, I'll go through this as we go. But I think the pirate, his terms are that you surrender your stuff. Do we have to agree? Most uh, Duel of Wits comes with a compromise. Um, that's usually how it ends up, unless someone just wins outright. Usually it's like a comp- compromise of both sides. Oh... So usually you want to just go ahead and go right out and say, this is my, the thing I want the most of. Like, this is the thing I want, absolutely. What we want the most is all of their stuff. No, we want to escape with as 
little death and as much wealth as we possibly can. Exactly. <laughs> so less people to pay I mean, and more money gained from the pirate ship. I, I don't see a downside. Hey, so this is the thing. If you are brilliant enough with a duel of wits, that could be a thing that could happen. You could convince the pirates to give you money to let, like, if you convince them that you could kill them, like, immediately, like, and exactly. they have no trouble. Yeah, exactly. Like, you could do that. Avion, you're the one negotiating here. Is that your term? Yes. So, so what, exa- yes. what exactly are your term? Is your term then? Mm, give us all your treasure and leave before we slaughter all of you. Okay. I prefer not to dirty my petticoat. Okay, and yeah, and his uh, counter term is if I win, and this is all metagame, but if he wins, then you surrender your stuff to him, and then he just leaves, and, and no one gets hurt, kind of a thing. Now we go ahead and do the body of argument. So you add any successes from this initial skill test to the character's will exponent. So you have a will exponent of six, Avions. This is pretty good for you. Do they have Ballista? Uh, yes, they have two. God. You have a will of six. He has a will of four. So yeah. go ahead and roll. I believe it's, yeah, body of argument is going to be oratory for you. So roll an oratory and the successes that you get, what you add to your body of argument. So this is like the health of your argument. So are there any modifiers or? I believe you can fork stuff in like normal. Yeah. Can other people fork stuff? I th- yeah, I think so. Yeah. People can help you. So, well, since I'm extorting them, I'm going to add extortion. Sure. Yeah. That makes total sense. And as we're debating, I'm giving orders to the men to rotate the second ballista to face the the ship so I can fork in estate management. Nope. <laughs> that Darn. is not what that is whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most right. outlandish lobby for a fork that I've ever heard so far. <laughs> okay, but okay, I'll haggling too. Okay. You guys gonna Give me forts. Can I fort accounting again, or help him with accounting, with the uh, breakdown of the situation in terms of supplies and? Yeah, I, I don't think it would really help in general, just for like the yeah, because it's like the body of argument, just generally like how strong how strong the argument is at the outset, and I don't think that in and of itself really would help. Him giving me a more logical argument. Yeah, I guess that's. Oh, what I see I'm what you're saying. As as okay, stacking the supplies. Stacking the situation as far as, yeah. Okay, sure. Yep. I don't know. That's fine. That makes sense. Yep. Okay, honor. Persuasion, or? Oh, what are the story mechanics of me using corruption? Are you going to spend a persona point? No, I want to use it as a skill. What does that mean? You can spend one fate point to help any stat or skill test, whether one of the character's own abilities or comrades. Help gives one dice for X1 at 4 or lower, two dice for X1 at 5 or higher. So I think in this case, what this would be is basically you stand behind Avion and Euros like whispers into his soul, right? And like gives him hints. Mm, but that's not what he wants to do. He wants to get the credit for it. Okay. He doesn't want to get out of this situation. He wants to, he wants yeah. to use it. So I think it would just be persuasion. Okay. Not poisonous platitudes? You could do poisonous platitudes if you wanted to. So what would be the point of corruption again? What would be the, what would be the story reason for me using corruption like what would that be literally it's just like having the demon step in and help you with things okay so that means i turn the character sheet over to him that's what i'm confused like i'm just been going back and forth between the roles of what he's like all right you do this right and then i'll do this now i get that yeah basically what corruption is is 
It's Winter in charge of his own body, calling on the power of Uras, but not giving complete control over of his body to Uras. That makes sense. So you just helping with persuasion then? Yeah. Okay, so just add another dice then, maybe on. Josh, you got anything? I guess I suppose I could maybe help with persuasion. Okay. I'll throw in my persuasion alongside then, I guess. Does my wife have intimidate? Yep, she could help with intimidation. Okay. Ooh. Fay one. <laughs> wow, and he has four sixes, so I'm going to go ahead and spend one of his fate points. They got two more success. All right, so the final count here for you, let's see, is Jared, you have 13 body of argument, and he also has 13 body of argument, so you both have the same. Okay. Because he only has a will of four, so he's adding it to that those successes. Yeah, so you guys have pretty equal arguments here. <laughs> okay. So, the duel. So, Jared, pop open the duel of what's handed if you haven't already, and then go ahead and take a look at those different options there. Basically, the way we're going to go through this is we're going to, without telling me, you're going to pick three of those things to do. You have to choose a specific order for them, and they, you could do three of the same thing in a row if you wanted to. But this is basically how you attack the argument. So you're like, all right, I make a point, and then I dismiss whatever point that he's going to make, and then I rebut the point. Me, as the pirate, I'm going to choose three of those things, and then we reveal them, and then we play out with role-playing each of those volleys. Starting with the first one, we play it out role-playing and see, oh, all right, so I made a point and you made a dismiss. How would that work out? We speak back and forth, and then we make the roll. And then it says what the, what the role would be on the bottom there based on, oh, point versus dismiss and so on and so forth. So just kind of construct your argument there and, and see what you would do. And I have to account for what you're doing. Yeah, you have to try to guess what I'm going to do. Oh. See, I knew you would love this, Jared. <laughs> All right, so I got mine figured out. So I'm thinking that you are expecting me to do the unexpected, but you'd expect me to expect that. <laughs> so you're expecting me to go with something non-outrageous okay I got it so I put the poison in your glass <laughs> that's exactly what you'd expect me to do are you ready uh yep one okay two three ah nice <laughs> so you both went the, with the aggressive tactic <laughs> yeah okay point versus point Basically, we're going to both make points in roleplay. We're going to roleplay this out. And then we roll uh, okay. our main skill. So keep in mind, you have to use either interrogation, oratory, persuasion, poisonous platitudes, or rhetoric on that roll. Then you get, so you roll that. And then again, people can offer help. So if any of your other characters, guys, are offering like points, counterpoints, like help during this stuff, just chime in as we're roleplaying this out. And then you can offer help with those things as we go. We roll the final thing, and we'll decrease that from the body of argument. Because neither of us, we're not going against each other. We're just going against our arguments. So, yeah, I think I think he opens off with, I obviously have the better weapons. And you, what, a merchant ship? A fat merchant ship, ripe for the picking. If you let me come aboard your ship and take your goods, then no one will be hurt. You do realize that we are pirates. We've been doing this a long time. We know how to get our way with violence. Okay, so then I make a point? Yep. I mean, we're, we're playing this out. Like, what would you say to that? 
Do they actually have better weapons than us? Not necessarily better weapons, but more weapons. Like, everyone on the pirate ship is armed, and you only have the mercenaries that are armed on this ship. You may have quantity, but we have quality. (laughs) We have the best marines money can buy. You just so happen to attack the most well-funded expedition of this age. (laughs) I am Avion Volus, the richest, most amazing man there is. He is the grand. You've accounted for everything already. You (laughs) just give up (laughs) and give us your money. (laughs) Uh, Anyone else want to offer points there? I think Jantos would probably want to chime in somehow. Yeah, you have persuasion, Um, so that makes total sense. The problem is I can't think of any form of argument that would help. Not sure how to follow up on Avion's argument. argument, So you said they're better armed. They're probably not as good of weapons and stuff as ones that we have, correct? Yeah, they Can have, I work yeah. in my appraisal to point that out? Absolutely, yeah. Yes, yeah, so you, you help with your appraisal. Yeah, how does that, what does that look like, Gadmail? Probably just, you see your swords, I mean, half of your swords aren't even sharp, and they look like they're uh, third-rate steel from a, I don't know anything about sword making, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, point out how a uh, how cruddy they're... Yeah. They look like third-rate steel from the shoddiest blacksmith I've ever heard of. <laughs> I think a couple of them kind of like look at their swords a little bit and they're like, no, 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 no. You don't know what you're talking about! They kind of yell back. One of them brushes rust off his sword. Yeah. <laughs> one of them kind of like... <laughs> Other one digs in his pocket for his whetstone. Don't listen to them, Sally. <laughs> <laughs> one of the them... hilt just falls off of one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John, uh, you, yeah. John Chester Winter, n- nothing else, sir. Do you honestly think that you can take on the great Avion and his ship? This is the stuff of legend. How dare you? Pitiful miscreants. Go drown yourselves. I'm guessing that yeah. was poisonous platitudes. No, it's persuasion. Oh, okay. <laughs> you seriously trying to persuade them to drown themselves. Well, okay, I say, I say it nicerly, ni- ni- more nice. Nicer than that. Yeah. Kill yourself, noob. Yeah. No. I... I truly believe the best course of action right now is for you to give all of your stuff to us and uh, promise your servitude and loyalty. I think that is the best course of action, and it is in the, your best interest at this point in time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it would be an honor for you to serve the great Avion. Think mm-hmm. of the, the riches and the glory that you could get. Yeah, so, so go ahead and roll uh, your oratory, Avion, with two helping dice. Oh, okay. And he's going to roll as well. Yeah, so, so that decreases from your, from your argument. So you subtracted six from his argument. He subtracted four from yours. Oh, well, in that case, I think I'm going to roll a fate because I have three sixes. That's fine. Yeah. So you have nine body of argument remaining. And yep. we'll see what they have. Oh, no successes. Oh. That's sad. So that's, they have seven. Seven remaining. Okay. Um, and yeah, and then the, the next volley just happens, and so it's, again, point versus point. So, uh, Avion, what's your second point? We have dinosaurs! <laughs> <laughs> All you have are rusty facsimiles of weapons, and you don't even know what a facsimile is, thus making you stupid and unequivocally, undeniably means you're going to lose. We're mm. <laughs> doing a great job of doing oratory with this. <laughs> Using flowery words. Yeah, that's great. 
would you have like maybe like some of the sailors like take the kid to the lost raptor like on board or something yeah. or, like on the deck yeah so he's like we have dinosaurs <laughs> okay i mean that's so you just like we have dinosaurs drop the mic <laughs> yeah and i think he's taken aback by that and he kind of like just looks back and he says well we have magic and then like a guy steps out has a has a cloth tied around his his eyes as if he's like blind and yeah he does the guy like the guy who's like has the cloth tied around his eyes he, he he does like some sort of like weird hand gestures in the air tries to look intimidating like and then he like there's like a one of the pirates lights a torch and then the guy like drags it off of like the torch like the flame starts like dancing it around his fingers you see that some of the some of the mercenaries and like the sailors on your ship kind of like get un- a little un- uneasy at that and they're like oh i didn't know they had a if a magic user uh so let's let's go ahead and, and roll our stuff in response unless anyone else yeah the magic user with the stopping power of a torch yes <laughs> do you like just kind of mutter <laughs> that under your breath as <laughs> no i i yell that out loud like, okay. uh, anyone gonna chime with like an actual roll or just say something yeah yeah so i can uh, add a modifier oh, i do well, have persuasion trained but Again, like it, it just gives one dice, right? And you get it. You get a test with it. Mm-hmm. Corruption, then. And I'll give you. What does Persona do again for corruption? For one Persona point, a sorcerer may substitute his corruption for any skill or stat in any test. That would only oh. work. Yeah, you don't want to do that here. It would actually be more helpful yet to just spend fate. Let's do that. You yeah. get two so dice I'll- to that. Yes, yeah, so you get two dice from from Winter. Okay, and can my wife be intimidating? Oh, right, yeah, she pops up and she, yeah, she chimes in. I've killed sorcerers twice the power of you. And you, she's killed a magic user before. Like, you, this is one of the things that happened when you, like, were in that whole big shebang that happened, like, when you saved her. But whether or not he was more power, like, twice as powerful, you know, up to debate, but. Is there a Connor roll? Darn, Connor roll. So we, we subtract that from there, from the argument. Uh, so Avion, you have four remaining, and Pirates have three remaining. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty basically going to be decided here, and it's going to be interesting because I did a dismiss and you did a point. So the way that's going to work is it's a standard test again. So we're 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 not testing versus each other. We're just testing against the argument. You're going to do the exact same thing you're doing before. You're just hammering away with another point. What I'm going to do though. This maneuver is used for the cataclysmic and undeniable conclusion of your argument. You loudly declare that your opponent knows nothing about the topic at hand, and furthermore, he's a fool and a dullard and shouldn't be listened to any further. Scripting is dismiss adds plus two dice to the character's skill. In a standard test, subtract each success rolled from your opponent's body of argument. But if I, f- if I do not succeed in destroying your argument on this roll, then I hesitate the next action, and I okay. can't do anything. But it's basically going to be decided right here anyway. So. Yes. So uh, go ahead and do your point first, Avion. I, I just like a grandiosely gesture below me. I'm like, look at the ship compared to your piddly nothing shambled together, rotted wood garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like we don't know this uh, as the audience or the, or the characters or anything like that, but uh, the, the ship's carpenter kind of like Looks down. <laughs> oh, don't go. <laughs> you gotta be mean to the people who. <laughs> I'm glad you ever do to you. <laughs> don't listen to him, Bessie. 
you do that. And I think he like cuts you off, like right before you finish, like the last word of that. And he says, enough talking. We end this now. Hand over your, your goods or we kill every single last one of you. And he like turns to the, to the magic user and he says, burn it to the ground unless they surrender. And yeah, so that's the dismiss. So what happens basically just comes down to this. I mean, what if we just gave them a share of the gold to leave us alone? <laughs> never. Never surrender. They need someone to sell it to. A lot of it's not going to be very valuable unless they could sell it in port. We could offer that. That's his role. What? Garbage. Oh, time to metagame. So just like to point out that um, the only way to win unconditionally in a duel of wits, like the, you get what your term was unconditionally, is if your body of argument was not touched. And so it is impossible. Like there are, this is a compromise. Like this will be a compromise. They will not get all of your stuff. Like you don't have to worry about that. But like how, what the margin is here will decide like how big the compromise is and um, whose side is favors. So I have oratory. So what, what else? Are, what, what are you people going to add? I can throw in some persuasion. I'm going to do poisonous platitudes for this one. Okay, so how, how, what does that look like? I basically just mock them. Okay. So do I get two from Connor then? Uh, no, just one. Oh, okay. Okay, one, two, three, four. My, I'm going to add my wife's intimidation, extortion. If this somehow doesn't work, I, I'm, I'm calling shenanigans. Shenanigans! Oh, wow. <laughs> so this is the final bit. Right, of do I have any uh, six? No, you don't have any sixes. Wait, so not die. even one? Nope, not a, not a single six. This um, is shenanigans. Yeah, so so let's see here. Yeah, a duel of wits is over when one party's body of argument is reduced to zero. Loser must abide by the results of the argument. He's lost and he's agreed to go along with whatever it is that his opponent proposed at the outset of the duel. For the time being, of course, blah, blah, blah. What happens if they both lose? If both arguments are reduced to zero in the same volley, the duel is a tie. Neither party is in a position to leverage a victory. Two options are available. The characters can part ways and agree to take up the argument at another time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> or they can agree to a compromise. The first rule of a compromise resulting from a tie is neither party can achieve the terms he sought at the outside of the duel. Or neither okay. of those terms will happen. Both parties must agree to a point that sits squarely in the middle. It is best for each side to set forth a new offer, one more generous to their opponent than the original, and if possible, have a neutral party offer a third middle ground offer. The players then choose the appropriate one. Vivian, what would be your counter offer here for a compromise? That's in the middle of the two terms. Okay, so I yell, okay, I have, I have a compromise. So neither of us have to die. How about you and your, uh, your associates join, my, join our venture? And uh, I, I'm, I'm a pretty spectacular businessman, if I do say so myself. And uh, why would you, would you want to join the, uh, one of the most successful businesses in the, uh, in, in the world, I, I, I dare say? Do you want to permanently work with these people? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Just give I them some money so they leave. Twice as much as, you, as you're able to sell it for, if not even more. Okay, and I, I think yeah, their counteroffer is... How about we just take half the goods you have on board and that Velociraptor that you that I see right there so that we can sell them for a hefty price and you can go on your way and do whatever it is you want to do with the rest of your life. You didn't like my offer? I mean, that's that, those are the offers on the table, right? Oh. If someone else besides Avion or the pirate wants to offer another 
Thank Can I offer them to join me? Oh, dear. Oh, boy. Question. Mm-hmm. Was there any forged goods? <laughs> I, forgot to, I forgot to talk about that. Um, yes, there were, actually. Some works of art, so like paintings and sculptures and stuff like that that have been smuggled, that uh, all of them are like undeniably forged. Like, it's not like, I think it's one fun's worth but it's worthless ultimately. And that I didn't count that in the four dice that you got. So you have that extra mm-hmm. fake goods. That's not technically worth anything, but you could probably like pedal it off somewhere. If you were careful, we can try that. and pass those off. To yeah, them, absolutely. Is that what you offered for then? Mm-hmm. Y- yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you're we'll like, yeah, we try and give you all of this. Yeah. yeah. All these sculptures and paintings. Mm-hmm. So all the sculptures <laughs> and paintings, is that the extent of it? Or, I mean, they specifically ask for the velo- one of the velociraptors. So one of them then do probably just go with that. Yeah. Okay. What What do you think would be the most logical character thing that would happen here, like in the narrative? Probably them getting the forged goods mm-hmm. would be seem to be the most logical. Okay. Yeah, I'm down with that. It depends on whether or not they know about Jared's reputation, though. It depends on whether or not they actually think he's awesome. Uh, what do you actually have of the reputation, Avion? Like, what? How many dice is it? Their reputation: two dice for seventy businessmen. Two dice. Okay. I mean, that's pretty good. Let's legitimately just take a vote here, right? Like, who thinks that Avion's initial offer of China our enterprise? How many of you think that would be the logical place for the narrative to go at this point? I would say no. I don't think the pirates would just willingly join with with their victims. <laughs> right. I don't think anybody would either. Uh, who thinks that they would, that the pirates offer of give us half your treasure and the Velociraptor? If I can pass off the uh, fake goods as. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, let's just go with the that. half let's that just, they're looking at. Yeah. That seems like the one that we want to use. That's the third one. I think there's probably going to be some sort of role there involved to like try to pass that off to them. Because again, like, yeah, just because you got the compromise doesn't mean that it just necessarily like, happens. That way, exactly, like because there is a possibility that Penguin, Jared. That is the terms that are agreed upon. We will give you these priceless paintings and sculptures that you can peddle somewhere, and this Velociraptor, as long as you leave us alone. Oh, not the Velociraptor, I don't think. I think we throw in extra forged goods. You don't have any extra forged goods. You're going to give them all the forged goods. Uh, I mean, how would we give them a Velociraptor? Can I, like, forge a writ of. Some document I could forge that could say that these were legally obtained and therefore they can trade them because that would increase the value of what they get because they wouldn't have to smuggle them off to some cove. They could get full price in in exchange for keeping the second Velociraptor. Yeah. Yeah. And you could probably try to do that. I think, yeah, I think they just agree to that Connor offer. I think they're like, yeah, that is a legitimate thing. Like, thank you for doing that. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you, I mean, go ahead and uh, you know make a forgery roll, right? Like, let's see how well this forgery is, or if, or if we're going to hear about the pirates who got arrested because they tried to sell or <laughs> forgeries. Would it be uh, right or forgery or both, or how would that work? Uh, it would be forgery, but you could fork and write. Gotcha. So my question here is, what is your intent? Are you trying to forge something that? would fool the pirates, but not fool the court authorities? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ken Miller would probably uh-huh. do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I think it's an op four test. Can I have fork in my knowledge of bureaucracy? Yeah, absolutely. You can help him with that. Yes, yeah, finally. That's, so that's legit, fork, totally legit, legitimate. Can I fork read, write, and law wise? Sure. And actually, merchant wise, because it's a merchant absolutely. document. Nice. Is anybody else good at writing documents? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, think I don't think Winter or John Post know how to read or write. Hmm. All right. Eh. Just enough. Awesome. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So I mean, you you totally do that, right? Like this all goes off without a hitch. They're totally fooled by it, and they're like, "Yes, this is this would fool anyone. This is perfect. This is exactly what we need." And yeah, and then they head off with a wave. <laughs> and I think I think the uh, sorcerer looks a little sad that he didn't get to burn things, and he kind of <laughs> like he kind of like just lets the fire just kind of die in his hand. He's like, "Oh," but yeah, they they sail off. Awesome. Well, that was a very successful encounter. almost done with today's episode. Let's hear our characters' beliefs, instincts, and traits, and see if they earned any Artha. Alright, let's just go ahead and wrap it up there. Fate and stuff. I forgot to mention it at the beginning, but I wanted to kind of reword one of my beliefs, too. Sure. I'll get to it when we get there. Yeah, so Avion? If I don't handle it personally, it won't get done, therefore I will stop everyone else from ruining this venture. You definitely work Uh, towards that, yeah? Yeah. I handled stuff personally. Didn't really do anything with my wife. My investment in Cadmo. Well, I mean, I guess technically... I mean, you can argue for it. What, what would be your argument? That I didn't let all of his stuff get taken. But, uh, but your belief is, since everyone is lower than me, it's my responsibility to take care of the lesser, so I will build up my investment in Cadmail. Okay, so yeah, probably not. Rulership was my natural, and there didn't blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, you did. Solve my problems with money, always take the leadership position, and I'm always superior to those around me. None of those got me in trouble. Yeah, I don't yeah. think any of the other traits got you in trouble either. Cool. Uh, winter. I know that this demon is all I have, and I'll find a way for me to coexist with it, no matter the cost. I will start by proving myself worthy of control of my life. Do you think you did that? I don't know. I, I The differentiations between Eurus and Winter were very sparse because I wasn't sure how the mechanics is supposed to work with the corruption thing. Right. So, you just need it. Okay. I want to find someone else to share my life with, someone that truly understands who I am and respects me for who I am. Didn't necessarily happen. No. Instincts, never make Eurus angry. Always blame Eurus, even if I am the one in fault. Always inventing something. Yeah, I don't think any of those got you in trouble. You blended in pretty seamlessly with the rest of the stuff. Like, it all went up without a hitch. 
For Pyrrhus, then, I will take complete control of Winter in order to complete the plans of my master. I will start by making sure he feels worthless and incomplete without me. Let's go ahead and give him a fate just for the whole, like, I mean, you, you called on him a lot to help with the, the Jewel of Wits, right? So. Yeah. People on the ship could serve me well. I will do whatever I can to make sure that they trust, serve, and follow me, whether they know it or not. I did offer up yep. everybody to serve me, but that's not really necessarily give me trouble because it was metagame. Take pay for them. Um, I will find something else of major power to bind myself to. The plans of my master have become an immensely powerful force. Did not do that. Instincts always use humans to do my will. Always help the master with every breath. Always demoralize winter. Yeah, I don't think any of the rest of it got you paid. So, cool. Jontos, our favorite cook. Yep. Beliefs and instincts. Beliefs. I want to make the best in my new situation, so I'll try to make friends with the crew. Um, I'd say I kind of work toward that. Yeah, I mean, I you didn't. Especially that moment, yeah, especially that moment you're working side by side with them, and yeah. Mm -hmm. I have been unhappy, and I don't want to feel that way, therefore I will cheer others up with my wonderful stories. You didn't tell a story. I I was half expecting... There wasn't a lot of character interaction this time. I was Um, half expecting Jontos to go into a story during the Duel of Wits, like... (laughs) Yeah, there really wasn't a point. There wasn't really really an opportunity for it. Mm. Go ahead and take a persona for advancing cooking for that last belief. Awesome. I mean, you could still just keep the belief the same way and then... I see it. no reason to change it. Yep. Instincts always look for the best in the situation. Again, I didn't do much role-playing this time around. Uh, always have a good story. If it's tricky to be done, be part of it. I don't really see anything else that I particularly did. Take fate for unlucky, just because... It should have, yeah, well, well, pirates, and then, like, you should have gotten the cooking roll right. Like, everything should have been fine, right? Like, and then... Yeah. Cadmail Rosos. Take a persona for that first belief, because you brought them to the Smuggler's Cove. Oh, hurrah. So we'll make sure the venture succeeds. I'll start by bringing us to the cove, yeah. The second one is the one I wanted to reword a bit. So instead of, I want to build a positive reputation, I'll start by gaining the respect of the crew. Change it to, I rebel against my racist primitive reputation. Wherever I can, I will prove that I am useful and civilized. Okay, yeah. You did prove yourself that you are useful. Like, you helped a lot with things. But, like, were you trying to prove yourself as useful and civilized, like, to against I the mean, reputation? I mean, being the one that wrote the written stuff. Sure, yes. Okay, that, as... that especially, yeah. Oh. Because, it, again, it's a literacy thing. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. Gotcha. And then I want to help these royals, but it can't interfere with the mission. I will ensure a safe remaining voyage for the princess. We didn't really do anything yeah, as far as that yeah. goes. Instincts always assume that people think the worst of me. No expectations happen there. Always trust the numbers. I mean, nothing bad came from that. Mm-hmm. And this is another one I can want to change to. Never let people know about my literacy. I, I don't. Pretty much everyone knows about your literacy at this yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> I'll think of something for that slot. Traits, paranoid. I mean, I was paranoid of winter, but again, nothing bad happened. So, I mean, we did take him on the ship, so. (laughs) (laughs) But that was despite your paranoid, not because of it. I suppose. And then sea legs and quiet. And no one's really been racially profiling me, so. I mean, you're paying them, so. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. All right, that's it. That was fun. I'm glad we got to use the dual wits mechanics. So, yeah. 
looks like that's it. That was episode four. Your raging wins. Thanks for playing, guys. This was fun. Or yeah. Was, or was it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Was <laughs> okay. There's just dead air. That was episode four of Year of Raging Winds. I hope you've enjoyed the story so far. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for another episode. Mm-hmm.